All right, guys, so good to be with you. We are going to continue in our sermon series on the Psalms, and today we're going to look at Psalm 138, and actually only a few verses out of it, and we're going to really highlight one verse. Um, we're going to talk about some big concepts, though. We're going to talk about the idea of humility and pride, and uh, those are massive subjects, and they're talked about a lot in Scripture. And so let's see what part of uh, Psalm 138 has to say about that. We're going to start in verse 4, and this is one of David's psalms. As you know, probably, uh, he wrote a lot of the psalms, and this is one of his lesser-known ones. He starts in verse 4 by saying, Every king in all the earth will thank you, Lord, for all of them will hear your words. Yes, they will sing about the Lord's ways, for the glory of the Lord is very great. And here's the verse I really want to highlight. Though the Lord is great, he cares for the humble, but he keeps his distance from the proud. Though I am surrounded by troubles, you will protect me from the anger of my enemies. You reach out your hand, and the power of your right hand saves me. The Lord will work out his plans for my life, for your faithful love, O Lord, endures forever. Don't abandon me, for you made me. You know, this is going to be a real shocker for you, I'm sure, but there is a severe lack of humility that permeates our society. Okay, maybe you're not that shocked. Uh, you know, we feel forced to choose sides on everything these days. We, we feel forced to choose sides on our politics and uh, thoughts about the pandemic and how we raise our kids and should we send our kids to school or not. That's something going on right now. And on and on and on, we always feel forced to choose sides and we have a very, very polarized society. And this isn't the first time that's happened in human history, but it seems to be really ramped up right now. Um, we feel the need to like defend every single thing that we believe and why we believe it. And along the way, a lot of times we become kind of entitled uh, as like the authentic guardians of what we perceive to be true or not. And a lot of times we do that we have an a sense of entitlement about what we think to be true. We do that at the expense of people. And I think that's where God, all throughout Scripture, has a big problem with individuals. When they become entitled to their opinions, when they go after what they perceive to be truth, and they hurt people in the process. We should certainly know or, or do our best to know what we believe about certain things, but when we become entitled and when we try to shove truth down people's throats, a lot of times that gets messy and we defend what we believe to be true over loving people, and that's where it's not good, right? And you know, again, this is probably not going to be a shocker, but religious people often tend to be the worst when it comes to this. We have this need to be right all the time because, oh, you know, we've got God on our side, right? At least that's the way a lot of religious people perceive it. And uh, so, again, it won't shock you that uh, some of the most self-righteous and smug people that I tend to rub shoulders with a lot of times are people that consider themselves very religious. Um, a lot of you guys know that our family, uh, we lived in Haiti for a few years, and I remember a sense of entitlement that we had in Haiti. One of the things that I think uh, we, we 
did, we didn't even know we were doing it, it was almost a self-conscious thing, was we would kind of uh, turn our noses up at like the entitled luxuries of America because, man, we lived among the poor now, right? And so our family, we knew what it was like to kind of rough it. And uh, when we hear about things back in the States, we'd be like, oh man, you know, those are first world problems that they had now. And we kind of joke about it. And now we've been back in the United States for a few years. And it's funny just how much we've fallen back into being comfortable and we've become kind of entitled and sometimes lazy and a lot of times prideful. And I can give you all kinds of examples about this, but one of the more interesting ones is how our family has become uh, addicted to something called the Uncrustable. Now you may not know what the Uncrustable is, especially if you don't have young kids, but let me explain what the Uncrustable is. It is uh, something that you can find in every major grocery store here in the United States, and essentially it's only a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. It's something that is incredibly easy to make. It doesn't take much time. But because of its name, you probably guessed it, they take the crust off of it and they sell it to you for a much larger price than you would normally pay for a normal peanut butter and jelly sandwich you make at home. However, they're brilliant, the people that came up with the Uncrustable. Why? Because they know that parents like me, we have one kid that's kind of the kid that's the difficult one and uh, that kid won't eat crust on peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, so he wants us to cut the crust off or tear the crust off of it so that he can eat it without the crust. And these people have tapped into that and they said, ooh, we could sell this and we can make super lazy parents of entitled, spoiled kids uh, buy these things. And I am a sucker and I'm not gonna lie, we bought the Uncrustable. Here's the thing about it. The other day, I kid you not, I caught my seven-year-old taking the outer level of the Uncrustable off. To, just to make clear what I'm saying here, he was taking the non-crust or the crust-ish stuff, because it's a little bit harder on the edge of the Uncrustables, he was taking the crust-ish stuff, which is not really crust, off of an Uncrustable. Uh, say that three times fast, right? Uh, that's just how like entitled and back into the American society our family is. And that's kind of a silly example, but all across our society, we have this sense of entitlement. We have this uh, idea that uh, we deserve certain things. And inevitably what comes along with that a lot of times is pride. And it is my way over your way, my rights over your rights. Uh, I understand what's true and you can't understand what's true. These kinds of really messed up ways of thinking, we're entitled. And feeling entitled can make us prideful as well. Pride comes along with it. And I can't just throw my poor kids under the bus. I've got a million examples I could give you of how pride has crept into my life and I have to constantly check it. And going back to the verse that we highlighted, it says, though the Lord is great, he cares for the humble but he keeps his distance from the proud. Uh, there's so many examples in scripture of how God pays attention to the humble, and I could highlight a lot of them, but I wanted to just quickly look at a story in Luke chapter seven. Uh, a lot of you guys that have been in church for a while probably heard this story, but there's two characters that Jesus uh, comes across in Luke chapter seven, and I just wanna read a few verses and then, and then talk about it for a minute. Uh, verse 36 of Luke chapter seven says this, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Now, before we read on in the story, uh, a lot of versions 
of the Bible, a lot of translations don't uh, say immoral woman, they say sinful woman or some version of that. The Bible doesn't say explicitly what uh, her sins were or why she was considered an, an immoral individual, but most commentators that you read uh, when they study this in context, they assume she was probably a prostitute. And so it was known in this town where this Pharisee lived. And so she comes, she crashes the party. And then in verse 38, it says, Then she, this woman, knelt behind Jesus at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Uh, the story goes on from there, but I just want to pause, and I want to compare the two characters we find in this story because I think they really highlight uh, that verse in, Psalm that we, in, in the Psalms that we looked at. First, let's compare the woman with the Pharisee. Everything about this woman's actions were offensive culturally. I don't have time to tell you all of the reasons why, but suffice to say that almost everything she did in those few short sentences that I just read, almost everything she did were incredibly offensive culturally. She not only crashed the party, but she certainly was a woman that had a much different reputation than almost everybody else that would have been at that party. Certainly a different reputation than the Pharisee. Uh, and so everything she did was offensive culturally except her attitude toward Jesus. Here was a woman who had a sinful lifestyle. You know, I read one commentator that said something really interesting. She had this alabaster jar of perfume that she poured out, but a lot of uh, people think that she would have achieved that wealth. We don't know this for sure, but that she would have achieved that wealth because that was, uh, uh, could have been up to a year's wages worth of perfume that she had. She got that wealth through her trade, which was prostitution. And so you think about the amount of perfume that was in that alabaster jar, and you think that just how many nights did it take to fill that jar up? And in one moment, she poured it all out. She broke the jar, and she poured it all out at Jesus' feet. She had, Jesus had revealed who she was to her, and she saw the beauty of who he was, and we can't know everything that went on in her mind, but the Bible says that she wept so much, she didn't even have water to wash his feet, she wept so much that her tears sufficed to do so. It's a lot of tears. You know, Martin Luther said something really interesting about tears. Martin Luther called tears heart water. And here this woman was literally pouring her heart out at the feet of the one who saw her for who she truly was, and loved her anyway. And so you have this woman who is offending everyone with her actions and just the fact of who she was, but her heart toward Jesus overflowed so much that tears poured out. Now, you compare that with this Pharisee guy. For this Pharisee, everything about his actions were proper culturally. Here was a guy who was religious and kept the law and looked the right way and talked the right way, made enough money and did well enough to invite people to his home, and lots of people came to hear all of his knowledge. But his heart toward Jesus was not right. Culturally speaking, everything was great. He was doing good. He was on the right path. But his heart toward Jesus was wrong. You notice that he even 
accuses Jesus. Did you hear what he said? If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. He's so self-righteous. He's so smug. And I just want to, I want to point out something here. And don't miss this, that we impress people with our success, with our knowledge, with our ability to articulate and with our ability to defend our various positions and beliefs and truth according to the way we see it. That's how we impress people, knowledge, right? But we connect with people through our vulnerability. We impress people with knowledge, but we connect with people through our vulnerability. And side note, our vulnerability is also how we connect with God. Going back to that verse, listen again to the verse, Psalm 138, 6. Though the Lord is great, even though God is all that and more, he cares for the humble, but he keeps his distance from the proud. So we connect with God through our vulnerability, not through our knowledge, not through our self-righteous deeds and all the things we do to make ourselves look pretty. God has a heart and cares for the humble. So some questions for us today. Do we, do we feel the need to be right all the time? You, wherever you're at right now, maybe in your home, do you feel the need to be right all the time? This is a, a, a day and age where everybody has to take an opinion about something because we're so polarized. And do you find yourself there? Do you have the need to be right all the time with political views or with anything, any issues? Um, is that kind of the posture you take at work? Is that the posture you take in your relationships, maybe with your spouse or with your kids or with your parents? Do you have to be right all the time? Um, here's a question. This is for the church folks, all right? This is for the Christians. Here we go. Has your assurance of salvation caused you to look down on those that you deem ungodly around you? We talk about our assurance of salvation, and we can know Jesus, and that's awesome, but has our assurance of our salvation, has our knowledge of the Word of God, or anything like that, caused us to look down on those that we deem ungodly around us? The Bible says that the Lord cares for the humble, but He keeps His distance from the proud. And the sinful woman that we looked at in this story, she went home justified that day. If you read on, Jesus' words make that clear. But what of the Pharisee? What of this religious guy? Which of the two of them was moving toward Jesus and which was moving away from? One of them certainly had their act together in terms of the way they were viewed. The other one certainly didn't. But it seems as though one of them was moving toward Jesus. And which one are you? Where are you at right this very moment? Maybe if anybody looked at you right now, they'd be like, oh man, that person is put together. Great. But are you moving toward Jesus? I have to ask myself that question all the time because it's so easy to get off track. Which one are you in the story? Are you the woman or are you the Pharisee? Where are you moving toward? I want to pray for us. Lord Jesus, this is kind of Christianity 101, the idea of humility and not letting pride creep in. Uh, and yet we lose track of our lives all the time. We get so caught up in being right, and we get so caught up in how we should think. So often I'm reminded that I care way more about what people think about me than what you think about me. So I just personally ask, would you forgive me of that? By extension, would you forgive us all that are watching today, all that are a part of this church, 
Would you forgive us when we care more about what people think than about what you think? And would you cause us out of repentance to move toward you? To take whatever posture we have to take. Maybe it's similar to this woman and just cry our eyes out and humiliate ourselves if that's what it takes. But whatever it takes, Holy Spirit, would you draw us to you? And we thank you that you have come to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray.